Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're celebrating Black History Month with the help of Corey Walter Malcolm and Matilda Aguirre Cooper. But instead of looking backwards, we're looking forwards to what the future might look like for black runners. How are you doing, Ben? You right? I am very well, thank you very much. I've been enjoying a unprecedented surge in record-breaking athletic performances. Yeah, what a week it's been. We've had, what, the 5,000 metre for the women's has gone and 10,000 yeah. metres for the men's. Uh, yeah, extraordinary stuff. Lots of lots of impressive records. You know, not to just focus on those elite people out there, but I always do find the, um, the uh, human performance aspect of running when you get to people who are doing mind-blowing stuff is, is well, it is mind-blowing when people can run so fast. Agreed. It really makes you, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's noteworthy, shall we say. Let's just quickly talk about the stats on that then, Ben. So we've got Latizembet Gide, uh, yeah. she, she ran 1406.26 for 5,000 5, 5, metres. Um, that beat uh, her compatriot, Tyrannus de Barber's time, which has stood for 12 years, beat it by, um, that was 1411. So really like smashed oh, it, really. smashed it. Smashed yeah. it, yeah. And then similarly, uh, Joshua Cheptege, the great Ugandan runner, uh, has now got the 5,000 and 10,000. Um, and he took the latest one in a time of 26.11. Again, absolutely smashed the, a long-standing record that was held by uh, Kenisa oh. Bikili. Uh, and uh, he makes it, they both make it look easy. They've got these beautiful running styles. Um, and although they're going so quickly, there's such smoothness in the way they move. That it's really like, it's, it's, kind of, it's very much poetry in motion, you watch those two run. It's incredible because we're talking about, you know, it, it's stuff that is way beyond our ability and our remit, but it is still running. And I think that's that's what's the sort of like the most entertaining. And it's an entertainment thing, isn't it, really? It's like it's sort of watching uh, the most unique thing happen in front of you, but you know you can do something similar. I think that's yeah. why I, that's why I kind of enjoy that side of it. This is a bit like me, but like way better and uh, smoother <laughs> this and faster. This is the best version of something that I do. Wow. Yeah, well, that's basically it. I think there's, there's a few talking points, aren't there, we want to, we want to touch on with this. Um, yes. And the first one um, is, and we don't want to bang on about technology when, you know, th these runners are fantastic in themselves. But obviously, it, it is an example to a certain extent of the difference that new shoes are now having on the track, the impact that they have had on yeah. the roads. Um, yeah, the sort of mirror effect of what, what's happened with the marathon is slightly happening now with athletics. Um, with new shoes and spikes particularly uh, Nike have been playing their part in developing new spikes to run in and New Balance have got some stuff and everyone else is basically just onto this whole new tech 
thing. And it is knocking time off of records. We saw, we've seen not just, you know, hundreds of seconds, but five seconds. So, you yeah. know, there's, a, yeah. there's definitely something of note there. But we, we don't want to talk about shoes too much because I think we do talk about shoes a lot. Well, um, yeah, and I think some, some promising stuff there, not away from shoes, is both these record breakers, they're, they're young. So Gide's 22 and Chip Tegger's yeah. 24. So yeah. you'd think that their quickish years are probably ahead of them. They both kind of exploded onto the, the track scene, really. And that's, um, that's really exciting because I think actually, you know, th- those two could do incredible things for, yeah, the next, the next decade on the track. So, yeah, that's, um, I think it's really always really exciting when you, when you get you know, exceptional athletes emerging when you think, well, what, what, what mm. is possible? You know, c- could, could Chip Tegge run close to, is, is sub 26 possible for the 10K? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's like a lot of people are, are, are like, you know, like that's a, that's a decent 5K time for a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? It's just, Mate, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I, yesterday I ran 5K in 25 something minutes and I was just like, that's eight minute mile in. That's nice. That's yeah, a good, yeah, that's a yeah. good run. Yeah. You don't need to be doing twice the distance. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's why I like, I mean, it's the theatre of it. That's what the bit that gets me, I think, mm. about these these times is just how phenomenal they are. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just to make it more, you know, very central to UK and British athletics, because, you know, why not? Um, Mo Farah is now looking, realistically, only to be running for a medal at, 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 in Tokyo in the 10,000 metres. Um, yeah. Because, think... wow, well, going by form alone, he's, you know, he's no longer the fastest. Well, that, that, that's it. I think um, it's possibly always going to be a stretch for Mo to win gold next year. Like, and that's not just taking anything away from Mo's you know, CV on the track, which is incredible. But I guess one thing that a lot of people said about Mo Farah was that he, he hadn't threatened any the 5,000 or 10,000 metre world records, despite all the medals that he's won. Um, mm. So you could, if you were being incredibly sort of cynical about it, you say, well, yeah, but Farah didn't race a kind of peak level bikini. So, mm. you know, if he had done, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have got the gold. And now you're looking at someone like Chep Tego, who is even quicker than, than Bikili was on the track. So you think if he stays fit, he's 24, you know, Mo's in his late 30s now. I, I think, I think a, a medal would be a really, really brilliant achievement for, for Mo, given, given the emergence of, of someone like Chep Tego, because he's just kind of, yeah, he's, he's got to change the game a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. So there we go. There's our, our brief. There's a, there's a hot take. There's a there's hot take our, on it. A brief perusal of the world of athletics <laughs> from a very amateurish point of view. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Should we should we get our guest of the week on? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Our guests this week are Corey Walton Malcolm, the founder of Track Mafia and now regular columnist in Runner's World, and Matilda Aguirre Cooper, the founder of the Flygirl Collective and the writer of a brilliant piece, if we do say so, on Jesse Owens' triumph at the 1936 Olympics in the current issue of Runner's World. But instead of looking back, we want this episode of the podcast to look forward to what the future might look like and should be like for the black running community. Corey and Matilda, welcome to the Runner's World podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you both? Yeah, good. Feeling a bit achy. I've been doing a lot of exercise of late, but I, I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> um, I was feeling achy um, when I woke up this morning, um, but I went and I had a, a obviously COVID-friendly, COVID-proof um, massage, 
which which makes me feel um, a lot better. So yeah, I'm awesome. Did you, did you deliver a, a Viber size this morning? <laughs> no, funnily enough. Um, so lots of people have been saying to me two things. They're like, I love Viber size, but two things. Have you got like a Viber size light? As in, <laughs> like less hype and less jumping around um, that I can kind of do early in the morning when either my kids are still asleep or my partner's still asleep. Um, and obviously lots of people have been talking about mobility as well. So this morning yes. I, I literally put up two or three exercises, like the non-hype stuff that you kind of do by yourself to keep yourself ticking over. But you, but because it's not from a show reel, you don't really post or talk about it. Um, so this morning I put up some non-show reel content, <laughs> shall we say. But mobility, that's the one. That's the one thing that everyone wants. We don't do enough of it. Everyone's all about, you know, the, the getting the miles and doing all that sort of stuff. But you've got to keep loose. Um, how how how's your running going? Are you both have you have you both sort of embraced race free running? Is it sort of been nice to not have like a real ambitious goal in, uh, on the map? I will leave that to Matilda first. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um... Yeah, I'd say so. So I've sort of committed to doing challenges. And in fact, Flygo Collective, we've been training for um, a challenge where we can run up to 10K. But what I've really appreciated is not sort of running at a particular pace, just completing the distance and yeah, just not feeling the pressure of being in sort of organized races and you know I'm endeavoring to get my three runs a weekend at the very least so a long run something a bit speedy and something a bit easy um but yeah that's definitely the beauty of not having like that race goal as much as I still love racing it's just been a lot more relaxed and I guess me it's it's actually been great um it's been great being able to I guess get a little reset and I didn't fall out of love with running, but it's nice to fall, like to really fall back in love with running. Um, and how I've managed to do that is not too dissimilar to Matilda, which is even though you've got your watch or even though you may have your app running, you don't really care that much how fast you're running or how far you're going. It's more a case of enjoying the time that you're out there, whether it's by yourself or with friends. Um, but what has been cool is the fact that there are lots of challenges out there that you can participate in, that you can either dip in or dip out of, like you can do it for a week or you can do it for a month. Um, and obviously myself and Matilda, both, we, we have big communities that we're connected to. So even if you're not doing hundreds of miles, you're inspired by those around you who are putting in the miles. Um, and obviously, because we're connected to those communities as well, it, it's been cool, like talking to people about how they feel, because loads of people have like really, really struggled not having races to go for. Um, and then there are other people who, like myself and Matilda, were like, oh, awesome. No races. Cool. I'm just going to cruise around and look at butterflies and flowers. Before we get into the future gazing of stuff, how do you both feel the current health of the black running community is, especially with the rise of people? taking up running during lockdown is it is it in a healthy place is it looking better than ever I mean before we sort of start predicting how it should be is it how, how have you guys sort of felt it's you know is it is it doing well now yeah that's an interesting question because I feel like you know the concept of 
a black running community, specifically in the UK, is something that's still evolving and it's still defining itself. You know, I think black runners like myself, um, especially the ones I follow on social media, you know, we're still out. We're still out here. We're still you know, being consistent and optimistic in our own running journeys and those who we're trying to inspire. But what I would say is that I've noticed a lot more people, Black people particularly, taking up running since the pandemic. Um, People have been doing things like Couch to 5K. um, And we've kind of seen an uptick uh, with people wanting to come to Fly Girl Run. So I would definitely say there's more of an appetite for it. And the fact that there are so many... Um, black people who are fronting running groups now, you know, like Corey and Black Girls Do Run UK, Run With Purpose, um, Emancipated Run Crew, it definitely means that people feel at least there is a space for them. So that's pretty great. Um, I 100% agree with everything that Matilda just said. Um, But yeah, no, it really is in a a good place, a better place. Um, There's obviously a lot more work still to be done, but if I go back a couple of years when I first met um, Charlie at Rundem Crew, um, I'm not saying that Charlie was the first and the only black person to ever run in the UK. But from, I guess, my circle of influence, Charlie was one of the only people that I saw, as Matilda said, like fronting his 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 own organisation and actively seeking out members of the black community to to join him, to, to run, to, to go on a journey. Now, if we fast forward to where we are now, and as Matilda said, there are so many like different groups. There aren't enough, <laughs> but there are still so many groups in comparison to, to where we were five or, or ten years ago. When like when I first joined, after Charlie set up Rundem Crew, there was obviously like the second wave. So there was like um, a few other organizations, including myself when now it's like wave three, wave four, wave five, and it, it's just about continuing to to spread the message. And as Matilda said, the more people, the more people like us see people like us doing things like that, the more engaged they will be, the more they will be like, oh, okay, so this thing could be for me. This is a safe space that I can go to. Um, so, yes. Matilda, can we talk quickly about Fly Girl Collective then and just the, the reason why you set it up and, and also what it, what it might look like in the future? Yeah, so, you know, the reason why I set it up is pretty much what Corey has kind of said in that, you know, I wanted to create a space for people where they could see themselves in running. So having come through the likes of Random Crew and even going to Track Mafia um, for a few years, it was really comforting for me to just be able to access running in a way that didn't require me to have all this prior knowledge or to be super fast. Um, And then just to meet people where we kind of have like-minded experiences or just have like similar cultural backgrounds. That was really important for me. Um, But what gap I did notice was that there just wasn't really many spaces for women. And even in the rise of sort of urban running, for me, it felt very um, male oriented. So I was definitely inspired to sort of create uh, a space for black and brown women. So even just being able to come into running felt very different, you know, that it would be, I guess, a lot more feminine, you know, Um, and that's not to say that it would feel sort of any less significant but there would just be a little bit of a different approach because there's certain things especially as a black woman that 
does tend to hinder us from getting into running. So things like our hair, like, what are we going to do about this? You know, it's a big barrier for a lot of women. So it was really important for me to just create that space where people could come with their whole self, um, you know, find people that they can relate to um, and just go on this sort of fitness journey together. And so in terms of the future, I think, you know, Corey kind of said it best that I would love to see more groups and it doesn't necessarily need to be like Fly Girl Collective US or, you know, or somewhere else, although who knows that could happen. But I definitely think there's now that space for people to feel inspired to create their own communities wherever they are. Because oftentimes people will be like, hey, when are you coming to North London? Or, you know, when are you coming to like, even just up north? Then it's like, well, hopefully you can see what we've done with Fly Girl and that will inspire you to create your own spaces with your own community. Because, you know, I think everyone should definitely be empowered to be the change they want to see. And Corey, for, um, from your point of view, I mean, we've, we've tracked Mafia and then the Nike app and, and social media and stuff. You're you're probably reaching and inspiring quite a lot, you know, a considerable number of future generation black runners to get into the sport. People that you maybe maybe never met before. Um, but but speaking to them, how do you get the sense that recreational running is beginning to become more popular uh, amongst the younger demographic? Should we say? Um, it's definitely starting to become more popular. Um, and I think like there are a number of things that I guess have led to that. First and foremost, I think COVID has had like a, a big impact on, I guess, how people take care of themselves. Um, and when I say that, because gyms are closed and everything else is closed, the only way to get your cardio, to get fitness as such, um, unless you can afford 800 pound kettlebells, is to is to go for a run or to go for a walk or to 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 access apps i think that's first and foremost um i think secondly um the fact that the government have been pushing the messaging that i guess black people are at a higher risk of of getting covid and people saying ah oh, one of the keys to i guess preventing getting covid is is staying fit going for runs um, I also think that people are starting to take their mental health and their well-being more seriously, which is then added to more people running. And then if you add on the fact that there are more of these groups, there are more black people running. Of course, there's going to be a rise and there has been a rise. Um, I think the amount of virtual things that are happening online is also engaging with more young people because you're at home more, because you've got more time, unfortunately, you have more screen time, um, which means that more of the photos, more of the videos, more of the messaging, whether good or bad, is is getting to people. Um, and because people, I guess, they're feeling slightly trapped at home, they're just getting out and they're running and they're seeing people and they're talking about it. And because there's, I guess, more information in the media, there's more coverage on the television, in papers. More people are like they're into it. Um, I think that's a, a really long-winded way of saying that that there are so many things that have happened at the moment that have impacted people's behaviour, um, whether positively or negatively. But as we're obviously here talking about running, like these are the things. Like it's not just one thing. It's it's this. It's not a perfect storm because it's not a perfect storm. It's just a storm that has happened right now that has that has got people moving. 
Um, and I think we should use this energy, use this momentum to to keep building, um, keep inspiring people, keep motivating people, like keep, like what I've realized over the past couple of months, if well, I, I knew it before, but it's really reiterated it now, is people want authentic, real, honest stuff. Like people want to hear the run hurts, but this is how I this is how I got into it. If you run up a hill, this is what happens to you. It's 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 awesome to go and run with friends. Why don't you go and meet a friend and and, and socially distance? Why don't you help someone out? There's obviously the the community aspect. There are there are people who are delivering prescriptions, delivering food. Like all of these things have just added to the amount of people on the road. So we can't not um, rise in numbers. I think even like with all those those good developments and more more people running, we we know that there are still sort of environments in the UK in which black runners don't feel as comfortable as safe as they might what i know it's a big question but what what do you think needs to happen to ensure that's not the case in the future i guess it depends on you know what we mean by environment um because i think there's multiple environments that a runner can occupy so if you look at say something like races and events you know i think fundamentally it is about um who's organizing the events and who they're trying to target and what's being used to market those events. So, you know, I always talk about representation because it's really important. And I think when people kind of can see themselves and envision themselves in a space, uh, then naturally they'll be attracted to it. Of course, say something like, let's just use a park run, which is a, you know, a public event. And, you know, there's a, you can't manage who will attend. Um, I definitely think it starts with the people who are at the event itself. So I know a park run that I used to go to many years ago, you know, some of the stewards were black. And already that sort of made me feel kind of being at ease in a new space and not me feeling nervous because I was only the black, I was the only black person there, but it was because I was new to it. So, you know, I think where you can kind of see people that you relate to, or, you know, at least feel that you're represented, I think that will definitely um, help people feel more comfortable. And then if you talk about just the environment of being on the road, you know, being outside and going for a run, you know, the UK is obviously, you know, a, a massive place. And in London, particularly, we are a little bit privileged because, you know, we have so much multiculturalism here. And, you know, I know for myself, I've very rarely felt unsafe as a black person going for a run, maybe more as a woman. But I think it also comes down to normalizing just the image of a runner. You know, when we think about the media and how runners are presented, if we saw more women, black women being presented in the running space, just looking like runners, I think um, that personal experience might feel a bit different. You know, people do seem surprised when I'm running full stop. I see black people look at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> like going for a run. Um, and I just think it's because there's still that stereotype. And so, you know, I feel like if, there is a lot more representation um, and people just get used to the idea of runners from all walks of life, um, then that will not only inspire people to want to do it more, but also people will feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, definitely. What, what do you think, Corey? When I obviously read these earlier and I've written more voices, more representation, more platforms and a better understanding of people, like that, that for me sums it up. As in, we need more voices in places that count. As in, so we need more seats at the table. We we need 
more people on the board and we need it to be more normalized as Matilda said that that black people run because even now on my road <laughs> people who may not have seen me running before when they see me I mean fair enough I might be wearing bright yellow shorts but there are so many people who still see me running and they're like oh my goodness that, that that's a black dude and he's running he's 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 not sprinting and he's not East or, or West African. So what's this chap doing? And that's genuine. That's, and that's genuinely how people look when people see you at races. They're like, oh, okay. Um, you don't look like a runner, um, but you're and you're black. Wow, cool, awesome. And that's a great conversation starter. But I don't want to start that conversation every single time. So like that's draining at times. Yeah. So it's a, like it really is about normalizing the fact that that black people run, and as Matilda said, it is it's to everybody because it doesn't just happen outside of our community because of the stigma attached to it, whether that's from like going to school or like whatever it is, people still don't believe someone like me should do the running that I do, and that for me is 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 really, really strange. Um, I think things like we are doing now, as in mainstream organizations, um, media, like continue to do your bit, as in like this conversation that we're having now is awesome. The fact that both myself and Matilda have written for your magazine and write for your magazine is awesome, but it shouldn't be, if that makes sense. As in this, like, like this should be normal. It's amazing that we're doing this, but it shouldn't be as amazing. Perfect segue. But we're going to sort of Matilda, you, you you touched on it briefly, and then and Corey yourself. But you know, the running media and running media in particular, what role does that play, and, and what what role should that play in making running feel more accessible to black runners? Yeah, I mean. What's been great to see is that the representation point, I feel, has been understood. And we're seeing that in the people who are on the covers and some of the advertising. Um, But the problem is oftentimes representation can be very superficial. And I think having, say, someone like Corey as, you know, one of your leading experts and columnists in running media is fantastic because I think it's also recognizing that the expertise shouldn't come from one demographic. You know, recognizing that if there's, you know, a section on physio, then say someone like Manny, you know, should be, you know, being seen in that context. So, you know, the representation is sort of like the first phase. And then the second phase is now sort of shared voice. And I think, you know, Corey said, just having that seat at the table. So therefore people can recognize as well that, okay, even if I'm maybe not the fastest runner in the world, I can still have a voice in this space just because of my own experience of working in sport and fitness, you know, and people will actually valid my lived experience as a black person. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Let's, let's imagine the year is 2030 and Ben and Rick's podcast career has, has bit in the dust. <laughs> most certainly. Most certainly has. No, but, no. but Runners, Runners World is still going. Uh, what, what would you what would you guys like to see inside it? You don't have to give me a page to page breakdown of it, but give me give me a sense of, of some of the things that you would like to see in a running magazine in, in twenty thirty. Go for it, Corey. I would love to see a celebration of a, a decade of some kind of mentoring writing scheme that Runners World have set up to on earth amazing amazing writers that they may not have stumbled upon because. Like just just speaking about like say for instance me starting to write for you guys, I had no idea that you were looking for writers and you had no idea that I wrote. <laughs> and how that came about was just a conversation, just a question. But had that question not been asked or had that conversation not happened, neither of us would have been in this situation. And I think mm. that on a much bigger scale, that is what has happened or is happening in in any kind of organization any kind of media any kind of running as in so if your if your readership is is only well it's obviously not only one demographic but it's a, a huge portion is one demographic the the not the only way but one of the ways to to go and speak to to different people is to have those people speak to those people and the only way you're going to get those people to hear them to understand is if you speak in their voice um so i think you guys could do an awesome amazing job at setting something up that is gonna on earth talent like that so that in 10 years we don't we don't stumble upon it it, there's a system by which mm. it's it's present. It's always there. Yeah, that's really I like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Because you know, when I started out in the media twenty years ago, um, I was a minority then, and you know, thankfully, I was able to get work experience at different publications, whereby I was still the minority. So you know, I started off at. NME, then went to ES Magazine. And, you know, had there even just been more proactive schemes to get, you know, people of color, Black women in those spaces, then we would probably be having a very different conversation about the media now. But that still continues to be an issue, the underrepresentation of marginalized voices in the mainstream media. So, yeah, Corey, I think you kind of really hit the nail on the head with that. (laughs) Um, Because oftentimes I think, you know, 
people don't always realize that, you know, I've been writing for a while. Yeah. If you check out my LinkedIn, you'll see it. But <laughs> yeah, for a minute and, you know, for high profile publications too. Um, so I definitely think there's something in being really proactive in getting um, those variety, getting that variety in the magazine. And, you know, I think on, on top of that, what I would love to see in the future is maybe just a slight shift away from the kind of elitism of running. And I know that that's something that really excites people, kind of like the professional aspect, but I feel like the amateur space is sort of growing. And, you know, there's so many people that want to learn about running. And, you know, in fairness, Runner's World does offer, you know, those elements, but it would just be nice to know that we're not just celebrating the super fast people or the people who've done the incredible feat but maybe the person who actually just managed to you know run a mile they're you know they're being sort of honored in you know in a very similar way so even if it just feels a a little bit more democratic um I think that could be really inspirational because people do you know look to runners world and think okay if I want to be super fast or super fit that's the magazine I want to pick up but if it kind of just explored more of the wider culture of running I think that could be quite inspiring yeah, two great, two great ideas. Yeah, yeah. Quick, write, 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 write them down, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have been Ben. Don't worry. <laughs> Can I just add to to Matilda's last yeah. um, comment? Like, I one million percent agree with that, and that is when I first started running, I picked up Runners World because of just that, because I was told that this was the magazine that you picked up if you wanted to be a better runner, and I never. I looked through it, but I never saw me. But that didn't that didn't stop me from buying it, but it stopped me from really, really engaging in it. As in, so I just read it as this is awesome expertise. These are awesome plans. These are awesome stories, but they're not my story. Um, and what I found is that as time has passed, I found more stories that I can relate to. Um, so yeah, I was just agreeing with Matilda. <laughs> For many, it's a, it's a training pamphlet. Right. Right? And that's like, my goal is this. There's an article about a 10K. I want to run a 10K. I'm sold. Like, I'm in. I'll buy that issue because that's what I want. Yeah. But as we've noticed in lockdown in particular, with no racing, stories from the running world and how people have used running for their well-being for the betterment of a community for the principle of keeping themselves happy for just doing a task but making it fun by running like that that dynamic to running that that lockdown has has sort of unearthed has made it sort of so much more important that running as the story of running is is the kind of like the centerpiece Mm. i think that's what you're saying but it's 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 kind of like it's it's you know a global pandemic is kind of like the moment that you kind of realize ah oh, running is is so much more than just like a fast time that's right yeah i think it's it's about um running's about people isn't it i think and that was um i went out of the running world for about a year and i was writing about objects really mostly about well trying to write about cars and phones neither of which i was very interested in so i was quite bad at this job <laughs> <laughs> but i remember coming back and, and getting the interview at, at runners world and yeah and I, that was my main thing. I said, I'm, re- I'm actually really longing to write about people again. And I think for me, that's that's what the mag should be about. It should be 
personal stories, but I, I completely agree that I think the people that we talk about could be could be way broader from a both from a kind of ethnicity perspective and a an ability perspective. It, sh- it should be as broad as possible, I think. Um, Corey, you mentioned about having a seat at the table, which I think, yeah, absolutely, that's really important um, development. I know Christian Malcolm was recently appointed head coach for British Athletic Olympic Programme. Um, but that's, that, you know, I guess the fact remains that most of those kind of positions, senior positions in running, are held by sort of middle-aged white men. Um, what effect do you think that has? What kind of message do you think that, that gives out? And how can we start to, to change it, do you think? Um, I think the message that it gives out is whether it's, I'm sure it's not done on purpose, <laughs> but the message is this, like, this isn't your space. Um, that message is we don't represent you. That message is like, even though we have a broad knowledge of the sport, we don't, I'm not saying everyone knows everything, but if your board isn't a fair representation of the people that you are supposed to be representing, like what, what are you representing? As in, I'm not for one minute suggesting that they have lost touch with with what is going on out in the world. But if you don't have a fair representation of the world, like how how can you how can you you honestly openly like how can how can you have a proper opinion of how things should be managed, how things should be run, how how things should be organized? How can you have like a a proper on, unless you're saying that you have little soldiers that go out and find out all of this information. But the problem is, is, is if everyone looks exactly the same, has near on the same lived experiences, has kind of been to the, the, the same kind of schools, then all you're doing is shouting into an echo chamber and, and nothing will change. Like nothing will get better. And unfortunately, the, I'm not saying the sport is going to die, but what you will have is, is just one way of doing this sport. Like, and also what I look at is if you look at like who is on the board and then if you look at the athletes and then look at the coaches, there's, there's, there's kind of like, it's a, it's a bit lopsided. Do you not feel? You get something similar in, in football, I guess, don't you? Yeah. The, the lack of, um, of, of black managers. And yeah. then you look at, you know, you look at the England, England football team. It's the lack of diversity, the the lack of lived experiences. Like, yeah. so whether you want to or not, when you're making decisions, you're not thinking about what I think <laughs> because yeah. because that's not your second nature. As in, like that's not your first thought. Your first thought, whether whether you you you'll fess up to it or whether you you want to tell people that this is so, like you'll think about your people first. So, like, my thing is, is get more people who actually represent the world in which we live. And then you'll have a much more, I guess, varied say of how things should be. I think I just wanted to, you know, reiterate the fact that, you know, having, you know, Christian in that position definitely means that perspectives are a lot broader because I think, you know, it's so easy to not recognize the fact that 
as Black people, you know, we very much have this double consciousness. So we have our own lived experience and we know how to navigate that, but we also know how to navigate in the wider world. So we can bring both of those perspectives to any situation and have a wider, well, you know, yeah, have a wider understanding of, of, of what's needed. So it's definitely important in that aspect. And I really look forward to seeing how things will evolve. Could we talk about fashion? Because I think a lot of the the developments in fashion, running fashion, have been led by by black runners and black designers. And what do you think the future of running might look like from a sort of clothing and fashion perspective? Do you know what? That is a great question. Um, yeah. And I think being surrounded by the people that I am surrounded <laughs> by, especially big shout out to Fods at Labrum, who's doing amazing things. Um, I think things are, one, going to be more sustainably sourced. Um, people are thinking way more about the planet. That's that's first and foremost. And secondly, even though I hate this word, everyone kind of knows what it means. Running stuff's just way more cool. It's just cooler. As in, like, when I first started running, in order for me to find my cool little Vold shorts, I would have to, like, hunt or search through sin bins at... Um, <laughs> Like, you know, the really local running shops that you find in yeah. like, villages that you're doing cross country in or like a <laughs> run and become like that. That's where I would find all of the gems because it is stuff that basically people didn't want um, to buy because there were bright colors or because they were cut in a particular way. But now there are way more basically running is now a lot less vertical than it previously was. Whilst at the same time, like that vertical market is growing, but because as Matilda and yourself said earlier, there are far more far more communities engaging it. There are far more non-runners running. And those non-runners who are now running, um, they're now looking for something different to wear. Um, and the designers, they know that they're looking for something different to wear. And because they've just got into running, the first thing that they're doing is they're taking like the scissors um, or the knife to their clothes and they're changing stuff up because they want to be able to go for a run and obviously not go to the club because it's COVID, <laughs> but they want to be able to go on to some kind of a social event after. So they want to look good. And, and as strange as that sounds, that's kind of been many of our MOs, whether it's from the beginning or from the second phase of our running journeys. And that is, we want to look good when we run. We want to look nice when we run. And that's not nice to please other people. It's more, what I found is, whether it's kit or footwear, you're more likely to put that stuff on if you like it, if you like the look of it. If you've got like a giant pair of Mario stompers that you know are great for your gait, when you look at those shoes, you're going to be like, ah, I've got to put them on, haven't I? And, and that for me is what like many of my friends and people I do not know um, are doing. Like they're, they're designing clothes that people want to wear outside of running, which I think is a really, really cool thing to do because it gives access to other people as well because similar to, to what Matilda says, that even if you're not that fast, even if you don't want to run loads and loads of marathons, like there's a place for you, you can still be part of this thing that we call running. And I think that that happens with the clothing, with the apparel as well. 
as in like the say for instance we sell a lot of uh, trap mafia merchandise and i know not every single one of those people who's buying those tops those teas the bottles whatever it is are running like they want to be part of the running community the running world which our brand and matilda's brand is part of um so i would say it's it's only it's only positive is what yeah. i can see yeah i think just to add from a sort of female perspective i still feel that there's a few gaps that i would love to be filled so when it comes to sort of running and apparel and um yeah active wear it's it's still at the moment, in terms of what sort of, I guess, at the forefront, it's actually not running related. So it's to do with sort of like yoga or hit. And I feel like there's still this massive gap around well, what does running and style look for look like for a woman? Um, and so for me, what I would like to see is a lot more sort of influences who are kind of at the forefront of defining running style. And when I think about someone who I follow on Instagram, like Coach Dora, I mean, she drops the best looks <laughs> um, as a runner, right? Not as someone who's kind of doing bar or, you know, other disciplines. Actually, she is showing what a running look can be. And it's always very aspirational. Um, and even like yesterday, I was out on a run and I do think a lot about my outfits. I do. Like, there's a reason why it's called Fly Girl Collective. <laughs> I want to look fly. Um, and in fact, you know, someone actually stopped me on the road and said, yo, that's a really great fit. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And so I definitely think in the future, we'll hopefully see more ambassadors, you could say, of like running style for women so that women have an understanding of, okay, what does a running outfit look like for me? What is something that's quite cool um, and also quite technical? You know, so I think of a brand like, say, Sweaty Betty, who, you know, their whole ethos was about creating activewear that could take people literally from their activity to like going out with their girls. And so I would like to see a lot more designers really thinking about that journey so that when people are wearing, you know, a running outfit, they don't even necessarily look like your typical runner, but they look really fashionable. And I think where kind of black people sit within that is maybe hopefully more designers working with these sort of well-known brands. Um, Cause when I think about sort of like designers like Virgil um, and what he's sort of been doing um, with sort of the luxury brands, you know, he's obviously created this path, but has very little to do with exercise. <laughs> you know, it, it's, more about the style and you know flaunting rather than actually performance and technical so I mean my hope especially in sort of women's wear is that there are more you know women of color who are designing and more black women women of color who are also showing different looks and yeah you know recognizing that running can be so much more than what they expected I think running running design in general could do with a bit of a mix-up anyway you get, girls can wear the pink, and guys, you can get you can you can have some flu, you know, you can have black and fluoro. That's it. You're done. Like, do you know how annoying that used to be? Which is why I used to find all of my stuff in sin bins because you used to go into shops, and as a dude, it was you had two options: black and blue, and then possibly in the summer or autumn or whenever you might get like a, a pop of red. <laughs> Always like, oh. red. 
cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, no, like I want some like some bright colours. Um, and I remember, weirdly enough, the first pink pair of shorts that I bought were actually a female pair. Right. And I remember, yeah, I remember taking scissors to them and like cutting the the what's it called the the slits on the side of the pants so that my my quads could could comfortably <laughs> like swing in between. Um, and then like adjusting the the lining on the inside, and I was like, cool, I'm away now. Now I've got pink shorts. And what was funny was that so many dudes were like, dude, where'd you get those shorts from? Mm. And I remember in the I remember in the very beginning, I was really embarrassed to be like, they're, they're women's shorts. But then I was like, nah, they're, they're women's shorts. They fit great. This is where you get them. And yeah. some people chose to, some people didn't. It's interesting you say that because, you know, Adidas have just launched like their gender neutral concept store. And I definitely think, you know, we'll hopefully see more people kind of blurring the lines of what's for women. Yeah. Men. Well, I've got a big, a big question here. Um, so, obviously, we've only, we've probably only only kind of touched the surface of this subject. But um, if there was just one change that could happen today to make the black running experience even better, what would it be, Matilda? If you could put your finger on one Ooh. thing that you would love to see change today, one thing that could change. Oh, that's really, really tough. I mean, I want to say something around coaching and basically if there was just an initiative where the sole purpose was to recruit black coaches to then set up satellite clubs in their neighborhoods I feel like that could make such a difference in accessibility because they're there but they're not very visible um and I, I mean other than maybe knowing Corey and Dora Manny and Charlie, I don't know many others. So I feel like maybe just some sort of initiative to get more people in the leadership aspect of Black Royal. I think that could be good. Corey, what do you think? I mean, I'm trying to think of something else. (laughs) 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 As like for me, like I I wrote down um pathways. Um and that's kind of the same answer. And that came from, uh, well, two things. One was when I worked in sports development, they had something called Playground to Podium, which is people just go on roadshows um, around the country. And the whole purpose of, of, of what you're doing is to seek out new talent. And it, there are like a series of, it's not even tests. It's more like, just come and enjoy, come and play. And like if you have talent or if you have something about you, then someone will approach you and you'll you'll speak to them about it. Um, you did the same, not yourselves, but the Olympic Committee did exactly the same thing when they were short for handball teams. Um, they were like, here's, here's a day, we're looking for handball teams, come and bring your skills. They're not necessarily the direct skills that we want from you right now, but they're stuff that we can use, that we can work with. Um, so I think there need there needs to be not a roadshow but there needs to be more pathways opened up um for people to access and whether that is someone like charlie going around england the world or someone like me or someone like matilda just going into schools going into universities as in it already happens now but it happens very locally and it's 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 very much 
the individual or the group that surrounds them that is doing it. And yes, of course, that should be the case. But I think there needs to be, whether it's government money, whether it's private money, just something else needs to be to be pumped into it to just make it more normal. As in, because the work that Charlie does, the work that Matilda does, that Manny, myself, Dora, all of these people do, in the beginning, well, no one, still to this day, no one asks us to do it. But in the beginning, we did it because we wanted to. We did it for love. We did it for passion. And like, but what you have to look back at is all of us that were inspired to do something, what were we inspired by? Or who were we inspired by? And then work basically go backwards to, <laughs> to move forward as in if you have a crop of people who are inspired by this try that again if it doesn't work cool then you're like okay that wasn't the way but we haven't tried yet and then, so finally are you are you guys hopeful that running is moving towards a future of racial equality i mean you have to be hopeful <laughs> you have to be hopeful yeah yeah, I mean, that's a really good answer, Corey. You, yeah, one can only hope. I feel like, you know, running is just a facet of wider society. And so it's almost, is society moving towards a future of racial equality? Um, and so while things are definitely better, and I definitely believe that, you know, when my, you know, now three-year-old nephew is my age, things will look a lot different. I, I believe so, because things have shifted so much since, you know, I was a kid. Um, and so I definitely think things will be better. You know, equality is, is a tricky um, concept, but I definitely believe that things will be better. Do you, do you share that optimism, Corey? I, I can't not, I can't not <laughs> share that optimism. As in, so my thing is, I wake up every morning and my hope is the world will be a better place. And I want that world to be a better place. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Every morning I wake up and I want the world to be a better place. And I think that the world is becoming a better place. And as Matilda said, running the running world is part of that. Um, I'm seeing more people like me doing the things that I do and the things that I don't. Um, and these are people that I didn't see last year or the year before or the year before that. Um, so I can't not be hopeful, um, but I want to continue to see change, more change. That's great. Well, thank, thank you both so much for coming on the, the Runners World podcast. It was, it was absolutely great to, to talk to you about, um, about that. And we really appreciate you giving up your time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you. It was a great chat. Um, yeah, thank you for, for, for having us. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guests, Matilda and Corey, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and please do make sure that you subscribe. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.